0: This is the Luminate Collective podcast brought to you by AAB Consulting and I'm your host Shan Parker. Today's guest, Ed Vickers, has a dynamic design career that spans both the client and agency sides of the industry. After significant experience leading creative and media teams for large organisations, Ed co-founded Loop Agencies where they believe delivering great work is a two-way thing, building in-house agencies with outsourced creative campaigns. During lockdown, Ed started a YouTube channel, The Farm Sim Guy, and is now Scotland's leading YouTube content creator in the farming simulator niche. He transformed his lockdown hobby into a thriving digital presence with over 76,000 subscribers and up to 500,000 monthly viewers. Ed's channel not only showcases his passion for gaming but also reflects his innovative approach to digital content creation. In this episode we hear about Ed's bookmark moment which was fairly recently, his career as a creative and what he's learned. One of the most important lessons is how not to do things. He's had many experiences of toxic workplace culture and candidly shares them with us. I'm sure plenty of other organizations could learn a thing or two. Ed's story is a great illustration of the power of blending passions with professional expertise and the importance of adapting to the ever-evolving digital landscape. To hear more about Ed's journey and the insights he's gained from his diverse career stay tuned. Ed? Thanks so much for sitting down with us. You're welcome, This Charlotte. is a bit of an unusual get-together, but it and is. a first meeting for us as well. It is, person, yeah, we've chatted a lot. But which is nice. But nice to meet so in person. So thanks so much for, for coming and uh, having a chat with us today.
1: You're welcome.
0: Um, we're going to try and get through loads. Yes. All to do with you, your career, the change you've experienced. But we want to start with this bookmark moment this time in your life where you had choices. Um, you could have done a few different things, yes. but whatever you chose has led you to where you are today. Yes. Um, quite a lot of our guests have more than one, so yes, that's probably also one. the case. <laughs> um, but take us back. What, what's your sort of pinnacle, bookmark moment that really influenced where you are now?
1: Actually, it's very recent.
0: Right. Um,
1: so COVID came along. Um, I was working for a, an agency at the time, Um, which wasn't particularly fun. Um, Good clients, challenging employee, employer, beg your pardon. Um, And during lockdown with nothing to do, I was um, looking for an outlet, looking for creative outlet. As my career's developed, uh, I started off as a designer, um, moved into digital design when that was um, becoming the new thing. Um, And obviously, as I worked through my career, I've, I've, Moved into different positions, so I was in a more client services role, and I missed the creative side of things. So, I, uh, so I, and I'm a computer gamer. I've been a gamer all my life. I'm kind of that generation that saw everything from Pong on a black and white TV right through to what we have now, which is you know stunning graphics. I feel
0: so embarrassed. I don't know what Pong on a black and white TV is. it's basically
1: tennis. And it's black and white. Got it. It's, it. it's two little things that move either side. And you've oh got yeah, to I've the, seen yeah. it on
0: old films and stuff.
1: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but from that through to like the, the 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 games we have today, which are you know obviously that industry is bigger than film and TV combined now. Um, so I'm I'm a I'm a huge gamer. I love it. Um, I'm also from a farming background as well. So um, the, see, there's this very random niche game called Farming Simulator, um, and it. It kind of reminds me a little bit of when I worked on the farm. I worked on the farm when I was at university. I used to go home and work there in the summer, and mm-hmm. that basically used to fund me for the next um, next year at university. Um, but there's this game called Farming Simulator, and I played it, and I was like, "This is quite good fun. Very relaxing. Like some games, you you kind of um, other gamers who are listening will know the term rage quit okay. because you get so frustrated with it." Um, but this is this is so zen, you basically manage a farm, you drive tractors, you look after pigs and cows and sheep. It's it's very relaxing. So I just started to play this. Um, and then I was thinking, well, this is fun, but why don't I make a video on it? And I'd started to turn to YouTube for, you know, if I didn't know how to do something, I would look on YouTube. And there, were, there was guys filming this and playing this game online. I went, I wonder if I could do that. Um, and I've... I've been a video editor in my time. I've done animation in my time. I've obviously done you know, lots of Photoshop and digital work. So I just put a video together and put it up and thought, let's see what happens. Not It wasn't with any intention of anything happening. It was more I enjoyed the process of putting the video together. So I did that, and um, nobody watched it, <laughs> as you'd expect, <laughs> because the algorithm. Of course, Um yeah. But I enjoyed it so much that I did another one, and I did another one, and it almost stopped being about uploading it to YouTube and just the process of this release of creativity that I'd been missing, actually, and I'd never realised I was missing it for years. Um, but then all of a sudden things started to shift, and a few people watched it, and then a few more, and a few more, and a few more, and when you get to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, you get monetized. Um So very quickly it got to 1,000 subs, and I'm thinking about, Six weeks, um and and that was nice. That was a nice moment because I was like, okay, happy days. I achieved. And I actually googled that and said, how many? How, what percentage of YouTubers make it to a thousand subscribers? And right. it's something ridiculous, like zero point one percent. I mean, it's nothing. Okay. Uh, and I was like, okay, yeah, yeah um, you're on to something. That's it. I'm happy. This <laughs> yeah. is this is this is good. But, um, and I was still enjoying the process, and it just went crazy. From there, it just went up and up and up. Um, um, seventy four thousand, nearly seventy four thousand, as of speaking today. Mm-hmm. Which in, I get in YouTube terms isn't huge, but it's a small niche game. Um, so even even that is beyond my wildest dreams, um, and it's quite nice um, because it's opened up opportunities to. I've a few sponsors now, so like games peripheral company people that make kind of steering wheels and joysticks and cool. they'll send me stuff to test and and do videos on um i'm going to a, a conference in london actually this weekend with john deere the biggest nice. tractor manufacturer oh. in the world and my son's um,
0: favorite make of tractors well, there for kids. you go <laughs> um
1: so but that's you know john deere is so bigger cool. than farming right everybody knows who john deere is um they've they 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 uh, invited me over to Boston last year for the biggest gaming conference uh, in in the states it's called PAX. Um, I, I go to an event in Germany with them every year. The, the game manufacturers. I'm a partner of the gaming. So, so it's just this whole. I mean, it's it's a business. It's mm-hmm. a it's a commercial business, but it doesn't take all all the hours in in my day, which is great because twelve months ago, um, I, I decided that my, my job was not giving me the satisfaction that it want, that I wanted from it anymore, especially at the age I'm 48 now. And um, it's interesting, you tolerate a lot more when you're younger. I think you tolerate, or well, certainly my generation tolerates a lot more. I think younger uh, adults today are a lot more confident about what they want. And, and they're more willing to say, I'm not happy with this, I'm going to go and do something else, or I'm going to raise it, or I'm going to I think when we were younger, it was, you got your head down, and you got on with the job, which, right. which I'm pleased things are changing because you put up with a lot of things that maybe you shouldn't have done. Um, but I decided, uh, enough was enough that the, the, the employer was, um, <laughs> they did a, they did a lot of stuff. Not very well. I think it's very hard when you have an employee who doesn't support you or back you, um, you know bullying gaslighting all of those horrible things that you know happened too much still i think in 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 business um and i i i wasn't going to tolerate it so i i i quit um, um and at the same time vicky my business partner was going through the same process and she decided that it was enough was enough for her too um and and then we met not for anything other than a catch up and a almost uh see how each other were off the back of quite a challenging few months and um by the end of the conversation we were like, well, we should start our own agency um and twelve months on we're we're going strong we're winning new clients we're having a brilliant time it's hard work, don't get me wrong but um it's uh it's everything I was missing um and 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 I suppose the Back to your question about that that moment in time. When I quit my job, I sat down with my wife and it was, you could do this YouTube thing full time. um, And you could really make a go of it. Or you could start this agency. Um, And I think for me, what gave me the, the, the YouTube thing, the pleasure that it gives me is the fact that it is... A hobby Mm. and there is no pressure there so for example the last two weeks we've been crazy busy with the agency um so i haven't had the time to put together as much content as i usually would um but it doesn't matter um and actually it means that when i go back to it i enjoy it more because i've missed it Mm -hmm. rather than this pressure to have to put content out and i know i know guys who i've met through the youtube scene who who do it as a full-time job okay. and the stress and the pressure to make sure that your content's out there because it's your livelihood yes okay um is is overwhelming mm. it's real and and youtube do a, do a lot of work around um content creator burnout and making sure that um things are in place but but you are a slave to that algorithm if you don't put content out obviously the numbers go down and the revenue goes down and you you don't you know you have to be consistent with it as part of the as part of the deal um and it's it's been a, it's been a shift for me i think because i everything i go into i have to give it 100% so in a in a previous life um i raced mountain bikes um got to a relatively good level r- raced scottish and and national series races um was never right at the forefront of it um, but loved it Um, got support from a bike manufacturer had a coach um, was training three or four hours every day Um, and um, it just got to the point where i couldn't do any more with the available time i had and again it was a decision whether or not i really went for it and it was the wrong end of my career as well. You know, I was in my, you know, early mid-30s. I wasn't a, you know, 18, 19-year-old coming up through the ranks so I, would, I knew I was in the twilight of my career anyway but, you know, I have I've, I've a lovely wife and two great kids and it was, well, What what what's more important, you know, going from three or four hours a day training to seven or eight hours a day training and and, and it being your entire focus and because I, because I didn't want to do that, because it would have had a detrimental effect on other parts of my life, I I had to stop. Um, so I think, and the same with the YouTube thing. I think it's, I all I always went into it thinking, I'm gonna put everything into this and see see what gets out of it. And I think I always think that there's a there's a effort versus results yes in in your entire life if you if you go into something half-hearted you will always not achieve the best results Mm -hmm. but if you go in with a you know an idea that you're going to give it everything you will get rewarded for it i think um and i was not i wasn't always like that i wasn't always i was never like that at school in fact i drifted through school um and i think it's hard if you're a I'm not, I'm not. I'm not a not particularly analytical person. Okay. I can get by, mm-hmm. so maths was never easy for me, but I could work it out and, and I could get through things. Same with, um, you know, sciences and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I really knew what I wanted to do because education doesn't promote cre- the creative industries in any way, shape, or form. So I didn't even know it was an option.
0: Um, speaking of the confidence that we maybe never had yes. in the early days, talk us through the sort of first real job mm. out of Napier Uni. You said Yes, you out to? of Napier. Out didn't of Napier. Want, didn't
1: want to go home because yeah. it was rural Cheshire and a yeah. farm and, and limited opportunities. Loved Edinburgh, um, and I still to this day, you know, I, I'll get the bus into work and yeah. you come down George Fourth Bridge and you look out <laughs> over the over the gardens and it's brilliant. Um, it is, and it it, really you is. just like. Oh, why would you want to live anywhere else other than the weather uh, sometimes um it's gorgeous um so i yeah i loved edinburgh i didn't want to leave um a lot of my friends were here um and i think university gave me my identity i think being you know i was literally dropped in a room in a halls of residence didn't know a soul yep. said goodbye to my parents knowing i wouldn't see them till christmas yep. uh and went okay this is this is kind of big yeah. um for a little country bumpkin um but it it made me who I am. it totally gave me my confidence and it gave me all of the stuff that i i just couldn't work out when i was was a bit younger so left uni um didn't want to go home right coming right to the end of the there was a big recession back in uh think it was ninety eight ninety nine um so wrote i don't know how many letters into the hundreds to architecture firms saying just finished this degree got a decent degree um and uh, just the, all i got was sorry at the moment you know post recession we're not looking for new we're, we're looking for experienced people who can get the industry back up and running and i thought well i'm going to i'm going to just get a temp job okay. and i went to a temping agency on Frederick Street and filled in the forms, uh, and they said there's a job at the Royal Bank of Scotland. Would you would you be interested in that? And and I'd put down I'd I'd help mum and dad. Dad had set up a, a firm, um, like a milk brokerage firm. Um, so and they needed a logo and letter headed pay. So I'd done some design work from that perspective. So I I kind of put I had design skills in there, and they said, Well, there's this job at the Royal Bank. Do you want it? it's a month. And it's looking after the staff newsletter, and I went, "Oh, yeah, I could do that." Nice. Yeah. Um, so I went in. Really enjoyed it. Um, a Lovely bunch of people, similar age, very young, but kind of driven people. So everybody was, everybody got on really, really well, and it kind of was my first experience of how a culture can make or break a, a business. So that was great. Um, stayed on for a couple more months because they needed. That he still needed some to do this thing um obviously made enough of an impression that the boss at the time the head of marketing at the time um and this is this is how the old days used to work you just you couldn't do this these days but he wandered through and he just said i like you if you could pick any job in this room what would which one would it be other than mine um so you know he was he was a lovely guy um and there was a guy that sat and worked on an Apple mac Designing, designing flyers and brochures and whatever. Um, and I said, I've always wanted to know. How. And again, up until that point, I I didn't know, or I knew I knew what an Apple Mac was, and I knew yeah. about design. I was like, how do you even find out how to learn that stuff? Yeah. So I said, that looks pretty cool. And he just shouted at the guy and he said, train him up. And they gave me a job. And um, so so I worked with this guy. Um, for a couple of years, learned the ropes, um, got a bit more confidence. And and then even then that, um, that head of marketing at the time said, I could, I, I don't have anywhere else for you to develop here. So I had this, this, had this senior person looking out for me, interested in me as a person. I was like, this is nice. Um, so he moved me over to the retail network support team, which is another part of the bank and who looked after the branch network and all of, all of the marketing work that went with that so uh, moved over there developed through there to the point that i then moved on to standard life investments um which was separating from standard life at the time when they were setting up as an independent business um so i moved over to there as the design manager but it was really interesting that, like that that time at the royal bank was great um just really brilliant working environments and really nice people um and it made such a difference to wanting to go to work and and I, at the time, I kind of thought, well, if this, if this work thing's brilliant, you work hard, but you have great fun with it, and you meet some really lovely people along the way. Um, and the same was true at Standard Life Investments. It was a, it was a brilliant, it was a brilliant eleven years there, and again, worked with some brilliant people who are, you know continue to be friends today. Um, but there's a, mo- there was, it was interesting. A, a, you went through a lot of change in those businesses at the time and um i remember one of one of the ch- I, i'd been i was in this really interesting role where i was um doing a lot of uh, creative work i was doing a lot of video work we were editing we were doing some really cool digital stuff at the time um had a boss that just kind of gave you the freedom to mm-hmm. if you think it's a good idea let's do it and see what happens that kind of you know test and learn kind yep. of mentality which you know sometimes is so is missing in so many businesses because you know fear gets them but it was like mm-hmm. let's try some stuff you know we built the first website for standard life investments and things like that and we were trying animation in, in video and things like that in banner ads back in the day which which at the time was really groundbreaking and and um really good fun and again a relatively young dynamic team who wanted to do good stuff mm-hmm. um uh but i'd been doing that then for, I, I remember a point i had been doing it for about 4 years and i kind of felt i was ready for the next step and i kept talking to people about and you know i'm ready what what's next for me where can i go now and and um i was always told yeah you're not ready and then listen you know you keep doing what you're doing you're doing a great job but actually there's no opportunity to like and I was, it just frustrated me and then um the head of marketing changed um and a, and a new person came in, uh, who was who was actually great, uh, a real, incredibly driven. Um, and uh, I think she was a bit marmite. Some people loved her, some people hated her, but she was great. For me, uh, I I kind of understood what she was trying to do, which was really important. And I said to her, she she did the right thing. And when she came in, she interviewed everybody in the marketing department, one-on-one, uh, and she said, I'll come back to you in a couple of weeks after I've kind of just understood what's going on here. Um, and a couple of weeks later she sat down with me and she said, um, how how do you think things things are? And I said, I, I think I'm ready for another opportunity, something new. Um, um. And I have been for a while. And she said, I totally agree with you and she said the reason you're in the job you're in is because it's you you've created this role where you've diversified it and you do video over here and you do web development over here and you do design over here you're incredibly difficult to replace now so it's easier for them to say there are no opportunities because it's very hard to find somebody to replace yeah. you yeah so they would rather keep you there and just do that job
0: How did that feel to hear that at the time? Pretty
1: gutting, Um, pretty gutting. Um, And it it was the first point in my career when I thought, actually the business doesn't really care about individuals on 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 an individual level um and it's all about what that person is capable of doing for the business so yes you can be very very good at something and yes you can be promoted and you can earn you know ridiculous amounts of money and 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 feel like you are important to the business but equally at the point at which you're not important to the business they will have no qualms about either keeping you in a box or removing you or and and it was a it was a watershed moment in my career when I, I went okay this isn't this isn't what I thought it would be now to her credit she she did give me opportunity and promoted me and um I ended up being the head of design and media uh standard life investments for um a while and I, I loved it and and it was it was still a great role with great people so in the grand scheme of things it, it worked out well for me but I didn't have the confidence, to, or, or I didn't have the knowledge to know that that's how things worked. Yeah. I was still relatively young, um, and it was it was an eye-opener. Mm. It was a real eye-opener. And Do you I think,
0: think if it wasn't for her, it would have been, something else would have happened?
1: I would have got to the point where I would have looked for something yes. else. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you you know, torn between a very tight-knit group of yeah. You know, you're almost working with your friends. I know
0: that's yeah.
1: And you end up staying in places because you enjoy the environment rather than the challenge anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of had the best of both worlds. I worked with my friends, but I had a fun job. But um, well, I also felt I was ready, ready to do more. Mm. Um, So something would have happened, but it may have taken a bit longer. And I think you see this a lot, right? You see people who stay in jobs for a long yeah. time because they. the fear of the the safety of having a job and and the check coming in at the end of the month mm-hmm. and and it, it is can become a barrier to success because you don't take that leap and you don't take a chance and you don't you don't push yourself because actually you don't know what's on the other side of it mm-hmm. so you've got to you've got to you've got to have the confidence to know that if you do this everything's going to be all right and i think it took me a long time to get to that point where i sat down with vicky and we said shall we start our own agency yeah. um and i couldn't have done it i couldn't have done it in my 20s or 30s it, I, I wasn't ready mm. but if you'd asked me then i would have. yeah i could do that <laughs> yeah. yeah i could do that with my eyes shut but actually i couldn't have and actually, it's it's the and and funnily enough, starting starting loop is a culmination of not all the brilliant people I've worked with in my career, but all of the people, and I've had a lot of them. All of the people that are in senior positions, and there are more than than should be, who are making an absolute mess of it, and I observed and went. When I am ever in this position, I will not behave like that. I, I had a job where I started, and after six weeks, and again, you find this out later down the line. The the client had phoned the agency head and said, "Get rid of him." After six weeks, and and they were like, "Why?" Yeah. Um. He he didn't say hello to me. Jesus. And I was like, I was fresh in the door. I didn't know. I know. I didn't even understand. The business, yeah. I was trying to get my head around who was, and Just I didn't know. The job, I and like to, but to feel like you have the authority or the power to to make demands. But the the worst of it is that the agency doesn't go. That's a ridiculous thing to do. How how dare you? You know, they went okay.
0: They do what the client
1: Yeah, whatever you like because the the fear of losing a client yeah. or, you, or losing a contract or a job yeah. is so high. And I think you see this in the agency world a lot that, that there's a lot of burnout of relatively junior people mm-hmm. because the, the demands on them by senior management who are chasing numbers in the bottom line is so big that they just work people to the bone, um, which is completely wrong. And again like I said, setting up loop. Mm-hmm. And I know Vicky's the same thought process is that we will not ever be like that. Yeah. And we have to remember that, you know, let's say, you know, everything goes to plan and, and the agency grows and does become, uh, you know, of, of a good size, our, our commitment will always be to the team because we've both experienced it in our careers um, and know how debilitating it can be for your confidence and and your approach and um, you don't get the best out of people. If people are pressured and under stressful situations and um, you don't get the best out of people. So why would you do that?
0: You mentioned something there, the agency world, that yes. sort of phrase and that it's almost as if It's a given. That's just what it's like, and that's just how how it's been for a long time. You and Vicky have set up Loop, and you are committed to making sure that none of that stuff happens. What about all the other agencies that are still going and are doing fine, doing well? They've got hundreds, thousands of people working for them, and they're right in the thick of it right now. I mean, you can't just... How how do we change it is what I'm trying to ask. Like, can is it possible to be changed? Are the demands so high that it's just gonna be like that? And oh,
1: I, I mean, I talk about it from an agency environment because I've seen it yeah. from that side, but I've also seen it from the corporate environment as well. And I think it it's it's fundamental to work, right? It's everybody's working to build the bottom line of a business. Yeah. Um and I, I don't know how you change it other than by doing right by the people you c- I'm not sure you can influence everybody mm-hmm. other than people sitting up and taking notice of, of things that are happening so we've introduced the 9 day fortnight it's a you know it's a variant on the on the 4 day week um and we did it from the start so you get your annual holiday entitlement but then every every month you get two extra days off nice. paid just you know it is just a perk of what you do now that's that's obviously been well received by the team, but it also it's interesting. We talked about it in a in a in a LinkedIn post a few weeks ago. Now we'd already had people emailing us saying we'd love to come work. here, like what you're saying about culture. So Vicky's been a real driver for culture in a lot of her posts on LinkedIn, uh, and um, we've we've set out the business with a with an uh, with a client charter as well, where we say, listen, if you're not going to treat us with respect we're not going to work with you and now i think in the past you would do everything to win business as an agency because it was what made or broke the the business um but we we want to grow the business sustainably and the way we see the best way of doing that is to make sure we find like-minded clients or clients that are willing to work in partnership with us um, and you know partnership like such a terrible word because it's banded around like oh you know, we're, we're part we work together in partnership but actually it, it's 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 like the cultural thing everybody says the right things but nobody actually does the right thing I'm going to be controversial here and say uh, pride month I think is a tick box exercise for 95 percent of large corporates let's change our logo to the rainbow flag for the month there we go job done same again next year and and the and they will argue that oh no we've got lots of other stuff in place and we do. but actually you scratch below the surface and I think it's the same I think it's the same with the way people companies say they treat their their employees mm-hmm. there's a load of stuff they have to do because they have to do it um, and they're almost there's a well let's copy what they're doing so things like I don't know private healthcare and all of the, all you know there are almost hygiene factors and, and if you don't have them. You know, it it becomes part of the bartering package when you're when you're taking a new job. Um, but I you guarantee you, um, if nobody was doing that, nobody would start doing it. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of stuff like that that goes on that that um, on the face of it is oh we're doing the right thing and we're a good employee, but actually it's not. It's it's um, it's either PR points or or they're they're having to do it because their comp- competitors are doing mm-hmm. it. Um, so I think understanding the new generation of workforce that are coming through who aren't going to tolerate yep. the nonsense that we put up with when we were when we were younger is is important. Um, and that flexibility, I think, is is what is what is going to change things going forward. I think COVID expedited, we know that, you know, Mm they pushed it forward by a decade. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, it was coming anyway Mm -hmm. because the world's changing and the way we do work and, you know, the technology we've got available to us and uh, the climate crisis. So, you know, the the cool factor of flying all over the world as a CEO, like actually is now frowned upon, whereas it used to be held up as the bastion of, you know or you've made it if you travel to different countries and work in different countries as part of your job so i think um all we're doing is trying to one understand what the team wants to make sure that, that we create an environment where it's a very flat structure as well i mean obviously we're relatively small at the moment but um hierarchically there's not it's not us telling them what to do we've hired we've made a point of hiring relatively senior people mm-hmm. At this part of the uh, journey with Loop, because we want to give them the freedom. That they're very qualified, very good people. So give them the freedom to go and do what they do best, nice. without feeling like they have to come and answer to, you know, or get permission to do stuff. You know, they they know what they need to do. Mm-hmm. And um, and again, I think you know, you 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 attract a certain type of person. Then yeah, for sure. Um, who want to do good work and want to work hard. And I had a you know Sunday afternoon this week, my, my phone pinged and I looked at it and, and it was our account director saying, hey, here's just a list of stuff. I was just thinking about it and I thought I'll just put it down and it'll just set us up better on Monday to hit the ground running. And I was like, I've not asked her yeah. to do that. She's just clearly thinking about it from the context of, you know, I want to do a good job and I'm enjoying my job. So, um, you know, c- culture beats everything for me. So, if we can create a culture that that really works, we'll attract the right people who want to do a good job and have pride in the company and what they want to do. And ultimately, we—I don't know what happens to it in the future, yeah, where it's going to go. Um, but we've already talked about it. Ultimately, being an employee-owned business. Nice. So there's, there's. There's some, there's a goal at the end of it as well that that they can have some equity in the business and 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 become a part of it. So mm-hmm. I think that helps as well because it, you know it's all very nice to talk about culture and having a good time, but really people and especially in a cost of living crisis, mm-hmm. people worry about how how they're going to pay for things as well That's so right. we've you've got to you've got to think longer termism in terms of how do where are they going in their career and how do they you know you want to retain people where you can but equally you have to be accepting that there's really good people who you won't be able to keep a hold of mm-hmm. so if it gets to the point where they're they need to go and do something else let them do it with your blessing and, and maybe they come back in years uh, years down the line and and but yeah don't don't create an environment where they want to leave because they hate it.
0: Where does this all come from? Other than you having mm. seen what not to do yes. yourself and Vicky, you've seen what not to do, so you're doing what the right thing is to do. Yeah. Other than just being a generally good guy and wanting the best for <laughs> everyone, is there anywhere? Is there anything else that that this sort of stems from that makes you want to run your business in this way? It's, it's unusual because it's not happening everywhere, but we know that, I know, as a uh, employee, mm-hmm. this is the type of thing you look for, yeah. right? And unfortunately for a long time it's been a case of, I want to find a new job, I need to find a new job. It's a employer's market, it's not an employee's market, but yes. perhaps that's changing. The new generation are coming through, they know a lot more than what we did 20 years ago, however yeah. long ago organizations that are willing to make that change and make it not about them but about their people are the ones that are ultimately going to succeed, it might take a little bit longer but for you, where is it coming from other than the you've seen what not to do, you don't want to be like them because you didn't like it when you were in that environment, is there anything else to it?
1: That's a a good question and and for the record um, I try to be a nice guy I don't always get it right Um, in fact I, I, I have stories of where I've got it magically wrong as well Mm -hmm. um but you learn from those as well right Mm -hmm. Uh, and you do them better the next time um where does it come from Uh, and again you know my dad's been such a huge influence on my life in terms of like i said earlier on the 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 work ethic um but also he he got on with everybody Mm -hmm. all of the time um even if he didn't like people he would be civil and courteous um and he didn't fall out with anybody and he, he had this he i say he still does have it um this ability to to just get the get the best out of people um and he could he had this this ability to um manage up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also you know manage manage the team of people he had working for him on the farm and um yeah just i think if you, if you if you approach everything with the with the with the ethos that that it's it's about making sure that you leave a conversation with that person feeling like they're important or considered or 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 they've got something out of it that that's a good thing mm-hmm. and and that includes difficult conversations um you know and you can approach a and I've had a couple of these over the years where you you know I've had to make people redundant and I've had to um give people bad news or have to give people disciplinaries and you know because they've done something they shouldn't have done um but I always approached those with a a bit of compassion for how the other person's feeling. Um I don't I can't remember a point in my career where I've raised my voice to anybody ever. Um and and I remember one time having to sit down with a with a junior designer who'd done something um in the grand scheme of things, nothing particularly terrible, but um it was a learning yep. point for them. Yeah. Um so look at it as a less of a telling off or a tearing a strip off them or making them feel inferior and actually turn it into a, and I actually remember that conversation saying to them, here's two things that I've done in my career, like what you've just done and here's how it impacted me and here's how I'd moved on from it. Um, and I remember them saying at the end of it, like, thank you. I was ready to be given the hairdryer treatment. Yeah. Um, I was ready to, you know, Pack my bags and walk out the door, and I said it was never going to be that. But isn't it sad that people think that that's what's going to happen? Um, and again, it's back to the, you know, in the, in that situation, the majority of people probably would get that treatment. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just not wanting people to feel the same things that I've felt at yeah. certain points in my career.
0: Yeah, um, I almost feel like it's you are the leader and this is how to be the leader that people want to follow, is to do the, the way that you're doing it. That's kind of the whole thing that's been going in my mind the whole time. You're Lead by example, right? Yeah, that's Lead it. Lead by
1: example. What? Yeah. B- but then you have the adage that the good guys finish last
0: well that's a different topic for it's a
1: different a whole other day. podcast as well
0: <laughs> and we've covered so much we've got some really really good uh, conversation in there so thank you no thank you for having me
1: to- that was great